Hi friends, I'm Emily Kurt and you're listening to the Abundantly Podcast. We pray these conversations are graciously seasoned, that this can be a true living room space where we can come together and process what we are reading in the word, theology, womanhood, and what living fully in Christ looks like in our daily lives. I cannot wait to share today's conversation with you. The music is playing, the coffee is brewing, and the candles are lit. So come on in, friend. Let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome to week one of the Becoming Elizabeth Elliot Book Club. We are four chapters in, and oh my goodness, um, before Lee and I got on and press record, we were just talking about how like there's so much to talk about. Where do we begin? And so, but that's why we have these two months together. And there's just so much goodness ahead. So thank you, first of all, just so much for joining us and for like nerding out with us about Elizabeth Elliot's life. Um, as Joni Erickson Tata said in the foreword, like it matters that her story is told in our cultural moment right here, right now, today. And we're just really excited that you're joining us on the journey of getting to know her and her life more because it truly does matter for everything we're walking through. So hi, Leah. How how are you doing? How are you feeling about your reading this week? What are some of your like overall thoughts of what we've been, where we've been so far? Yeah. So I'm like, where do we even begin? I'm already feeling like it's a five-star read and that it's kind of mm-hmm. early, but I'm already feeling that it's like a five-star read because it's just so encouraging. And I, I just love biographies. I mean, they're they're one of my favorites because you just kind of get a peek into that person's life. And then as you read certain like, you know, like little things, you're like, wow, like that, it makes sense. But it's already feel like a five-star read, just so encouraged mm-hmm. by Elizabeth Elliot's testimony. And, you know, I already loved her going into reading the book, but mm-hmm. now it's like making that a little stronger. Totally, totally. And I think... Um, I was expecting it to be a good book. Like we wouldn't have started this if we weren't expecting it to be good. But I was surprised when I was reading last night how I didn't want to stop reading. Like typically with biographies, you have enough familiarity that you're like, this is interesting, but it doesn't like, you know, keep the pace very well um, because you just kind of know. Um, And so I was pleasantly surprised by that because I did not want to quit reading. Um, And she also sets it up where she's like, you know, you also might dislike some things about Elizabeth Elliot by reading this book, but I think that can be good and healthy too. So I'm like, oh, I just want to keep going for the good and the bad. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I I just man, it's so good. And then it's like um we really understand why it's important to learn about her like you said in this in this day and age, you know, cuz she was very radical about a lot of things. Yeah, so she just so important to learn from her. She did not care what people thought about her. And I'm the opposite of that. So I have so much to learn and I am so excited to learn from her in that way. Um, So to get us started, I just thought it would be fun to start with a a light, like sort of icebreaker type thing, but icebreaker for nerds. Because as we read on page 26 this week, it talks about how Betty's family, I did not know she was called that, by the way, um, kept a dictionary by their dining room table so that they would constantly be 
be able to like educate their kids, have stimulating conversation. I just think that is like, I mean, it's extra. It is, but it's also like so fun. So um, I just wanted to start by saying, let's be humble, humble women, just as a lifelong learners. And I'm going to say the words that I did not recognize and automatically knew. I could sort of guess by the context of what they were in, but I had to look all of these up. So um, Leah, if you had to look one up or if someone else had a different one, um, let me know slash DM us and we'll add it in. Equanimity on page 13. Mental calmness, exposure, and evenness of temper, especially in difficulty. And I'm I'm looking back at the context of that. She was a person who accepted that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away with equanimity. Um, mm. And in the context of that, I was like, oh my goodness. Like just the strength of her resolve is really, really beautiful. Um, presupposition, a thing tactfully assumed beforehand at the beginning of a line or argument or course of action. Pretty straightforward there. Untrammeled, not deprived of freedom or freedom of action or expression, not restricted or hampered. And if I remember right, with this word, they were talking about how by reading her strict, like more conviction focused work, you think she doesn't have strong, emotional, typical women (laughs) feelings. And they Mm -hmm. actually were talking about like through her journals and people that knew her well knew that she was a deep feeler, but she did not let that be like the anchor of her life, which Mm -hmm. is so, so cool to think about and such a good challenge. Um, Hagiography. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, talk yeah, I didn't about, know that. I never heard of that one either. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was talking about basically setting up the stage of like, we are not talking about a saint. We are talking about a sinner that like was sold out for Christ. And so the word meaning of that word means writing of the lives of saints that specifically will idolize the subject. So she's saying that's not what we're doing. Um, and then the ornithologist a person who studies or is an expert on birds. Did you know what that meant? Um, I didn't know. Like I knew like once I was reading it, like just context clues when he started talking yeah. about like names he gave them. But before that, totally. no, I didn't. Yeah. I love that. I've read um, some Eric Metaxas biogra- biographies too. And I feel like the people that write biographies have the most intense vocabularies of anyone I know. Um And there's just always something that I'm like writing in the margins because I'm like, how did you just casually use this word? But, (laughs) but I love it. And I love to learn. I love words. I love writing and I love reading. So I just like was super pumped um, to grow there. So um, we just want to say a small disclaimer, um, sort of echoing the, uh, call from the author Ellen in saying um, that the goal is not to like idolize Elizabeth Elliot, um, although we definitely fangirl over her. Like the goal is not to perfectly mirror her life because she was not Christ. 
But by looking closely at her life and character, the choices of choosing truth over feelings, we can see a godly woman's life. And I think for me especially, it just puts so much flesh on what we read about daily and what this could actually look like in a marriage. Like as a mom, as a wife, this is what this can look like. So God may or may not call you to specifically model after Elizabeth in what we read, although I think he will. What we do know is that it is always helpful to see how other women have walked before us. Um, And I love this quote from page 13, even though it made me a little uncomfy. I was like, Um, she said, we may or may not agree with her convictions about gender roles. We might or might not chafe at Jim Elliott's obtuse decisions in the course of their courtship. But in all of this, we can still admire and learn from the steely core of this remarkable woman. She really did see dying to self and taking up her cross to follow Jesus at all costs as a biblical mandate to be obeyed, period. So our goal is that as a community, we will just be propelled to live lives of radical counter-cultural obedience. Um, And Aaliyah and I, I would, I'm sort of speaking for you here, so speak up if not, but I think I tend to agree with her in all of those things and a lot of her gender roles and a lot of her political views or whatever it is. And so, but I also wanted to say that like, you are welcome if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have to perfectly agree about all of this to learn together. And, um, I stopped reading Let Me Be a Woman in college because it offended me so much. Um, So I am fully aware of sort of like the emotions and the tension that this could bring up. But ultimately, guess what? Last month, I bought Let Me Be a Woman again because I knew that it had good for me. And I knew that I had made the decision out of just like not being able to go there yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready now. Like I'm ready to face that truth. So Anyway, do you have any thoughts or responses to that? Yeah. yeah. So whenever I first got married, I wasn't even like a mom yet. It was like first my first year of marriage. I used to watch these Elizabeth Elliott videos on YouTube. They're like really old. <laughs> like you can tell they were made like a long time ago on yeah. like discipline and parenting. And I remember watching them like, wow, like this is intense. Like <laughs> doing a lot. But now that I'm a mom, I'm like, wow, I get what she was giving that advice because mm-hmm. it really is practical and useful. So yeah. yeah, I totally could see like, you know, it'd be, she was radical and had like some yeah um, views that people may view differently, but yeah. Like, and I think like ultimately before, she wanted to glorify the Lord and, you know, she saw that it was. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And ultimately Jesus was radical. You know, and so if our goal is to like to be comfortable in everything we read, then like we're not actually going to grow and we're not actually going to see transformation in our lives. And so um, I'm going to read a quote from Eric Metaxas's book, Seven Women. Um, And it's another fantastic read um, that talks about seven women's lives. And Elizabeth Elliot actually isn't in it, but um, what he's talking about with the value of biography is really important. And I thought it applied here. 
perhaps the best thing about biographies is that they enable us to slip the strictures of time and provide a bracing corrective to our tendency to see everything in the dark glass of our own era with all its blind spots, moats, beams, and distortions. We must be honest enough to recognize that each era cannot help having a pinched paracop pericial view of things and of course the largest part of what pericialism is that each era thinks it is not that at all each era has the fatal hubris to believe that it has once and for all climbed to the top of the mountain and can see everything as it is from the highest and most objective vantage point possible but to assert that ours is the only blinkerless view of things is to blither fatuousness we need to delve into the past to know that we have not progressed to any point of perfection and objectivity and in examining the lives of these seven women we are doing just that. We see that our view of many things, not least our view of how women can be great, is fatally tinged by our own cultural assumptions. The Bible says we are to humble ourselves, and in reading the stories of great men and women from the past, we inevitably do just that. But in humbling ourselves in that way, we ironically gain a far greater objectivity and a far better vantage point from which to see things. So I just really appreciate how he talks about how it like dusts off the lenses of us just seeing everything through our culture and everything through, you know, October, September and October 2022 and seeing yeah. that the truth is what stands and everything. So I'm just super excited to dive into that and be continually challenged in that way. So Leah, let's start with some observations from the foreword written by Joni Erickson Tata. Um, she lays, kind of sets the stage in talking about physically meeting Elizabeth while speaking at the same conference. What did you think of her reflections? Oh, man, so many good quotes and just like that small. I'm like, wow, like that. It really set the stage for the, for the book, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But now um, one of the quotes I like. Um, where Joni said, I loved her matter of fact way of thinking, her way of living by daily dying for Christ. Um, that really mm -hmm. stuck out to me because mm -hmm. that's those are like the same characteristics of why I admire Elizabeth Elliot so much because mm -hmm. she was like very straightforward, you know, mm -hmm. to the point she did not sugarcoat things. And um, she wasn't rude or anything, but she just took the Bible seriously. And it you can't read her work or interact with any of like her talks and and not take the Bible seriously. Like it just kind of was exuded in everything that she did. But she took God at his word. Um, she held scripture in high regard, and we can learn a lot from that. Um totally. Because the fact that she did things like go back and live among the same people who mm -hmm. murdered her husband, mm. like, like, come on. <laughs> Like she's mm -hmm. no, like she was no stranger to trial or hard things. And that mm -hmm. only shaped like her faith and mm -hmm. she saw God's promises in action. So, you know, yeah. that experiential part of it too. So yeah. that was really cool that, you know, her first time meeting her in person that mm -hmm. she kind of saw that in her, in, in her interaction with her. Yeah. I have found when I was looking to answer this question as well, that I just want to read this part to you, to everyone listening. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're all reading the same book. So you guys have read it or you will be reading it soon. Even if you haven't got a chance to yet, that's totally fine. But 
just make sure you're reading it because it's just like um like especially even in the forward it was like the loveliness of Jesus um was exalted even in the this these two women's conversation and um just so beautiful but one thing I will highlight and call out is in an age of anti-heroes our souls crave an authentic witness um someone who we know has just stood the test of time and lived their life well and I just feel that so deeply um she was talking about how many like people in our culture like everyone's story is extraordinary And although I do believe that like all our stories matter, there's this sense of like dimming the importance of Christ and the gospel in our lives, because it's like all about, it's just all about us. Even if it's our testimony, it's like, here's how I overcame, you know? And, um, and that's something that has stood out to me about reading Jim and Elizabeth so far is like, they just the joy that they had in the Lord prevailed in so many things. And so in an age of anti-heroes, our souls crave an authentic witness. Like we see so many teachers out there right now, or like what happened with Ravi Zacharias in the last few years. There's just so many things that are truly heartbreaking. And ultimately we know we don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in these people and we trust that like we trust in the word of God and him alone, but um, it is a gift when we do find those people that we can really be excited about walking in their footsteps. Mm, that's so good. I love that. R.C. Sproul comes to mind for me when, mm-hmm. when you say like that. I remember crying in my desk chair when he passed away because yeah. um, his study Bible actually played a big role mm. too. And just shaping my, th- I remember reading the notes and just scripture just like coming alive, like having it explained so well, but we, we need those people. It's, we, it's need good those, we need those people. And what a gift is it that we can learn from them? And yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, so page four, let's talk about it. When I flipped the page, I was like, is he wearing clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thoughts. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like pretty. I mean, I can't believe they put that in there. Um, okay. So if you don't have the physical copy on page four, there's a picture I find really so endearing though. It's Jim Elliott in the middle of the river with his underwear on. And he is yelling to the people, not really even sure if they are hearing him or not, but just like he's trying to learn their language and trying to plant seeds to reach them for Jesus. And he says, I like you. I want to be your friend. We want to see you. And it just got me thinking about two things. One, when we're trying to reach people for Christ, do we say, even in our hearts, like we want to see you? we like you, we want to be your friend. I don't know. I just feel like I want to fix them, honestly. Um, And I just think that heart is truly one that's just soaked in your own need for Christ because you're like, please, like, I want you to know about this. And then two, I was thinking, are we willing to look undignified and unpopular for the cause of Christ? Um, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about Jim Elliott is bravery. Um, and just like the movies they've made about his life and all these things. And that's 100% true. Like he had to be brave to do what he did. But something that has stood out to me is I think he had such 
a high view of the Lord and had such a joy in his salvation that the next thing, like the next move of obedience and like crazy kindness, standing in the underwear in the middle of the river, like to the lost, it just made sense to him. Like it was just what he knew he was supposed to do next. It wasn't like he was thinking he was laying out to like do this like crazy, amazing thing focused on him. And so just to live a life that is countercultural, we must first believe with all that we have that Jesus is not one way that makes you feel good. He is the way, the truth, the life. And as I've started to read through the gates of splendor, I've just, that has been my number one thing is looking at, do we actually believe that he is the way? Because Jim and Elizabeth did. And so that led them to make those automatic responses. So, so Leah, I'm so curious to know how has specifically reading about Jim Elliott's faith bolstered your own? Yeah, so I just I just think about the fact that Jim Elliott died at 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Like and we're sitting here talking about him. <laughs> like wow. that like just chew on that for a minute. Like because mm-hmm. just think about like in American culture, it makes 30 like the target. We need to be married, have a house, have your first kid, like all that by 30. And he died at 28. But mm-hmm. like you were saying, like his mission was to go reach, you know, these unreached people, like for the mm-hmm. glory of Christ. And so he just, Jim Elliott just shows us that the Christian life is different. Um, we should aim to glorify God and make him known. And he was dedicated to that, like even to the point mm-hmm. of dying. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're just, that just really encourages my faith, like mm-hmm. keep, keep big picture and, and focus on Christ, like especially despite our culture and what they can mm-hmm. say is how we should be living, what we should be aiming towards. Cause sometimes it's like, as Christians, I think, especially like um, Mm -hmm. with like earthly things, like not being at a certain point, we can get so discouraged in our faith. Mm -hmm. Like we're not good enough, but that's, that's worldly because Mm -hmm. if we're impacting the kingdom of God, you know, it's true riches and treasure in that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he could have easily looked at his life and been like, I'm living in this dusty place. And like, he had every right to complain, honestly. And so did she like, I never get to see my husband and like, um, I'm so like, I think about that now. And I think if I would tell my family tomorrow, I am moving to Ecuador, which I know Ecuador is a different place now, but because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been there. But um, if you think about that, what culture, mm-hmm. what well-meaning people would say is like, well, you're so young, like you have your whole life ahead of you. You don't have to do that now or that's, or especially like, don't take your children. Like that's, Mm. that's just insanity. Why would you even think to do that? And so that is another thing that just culturally takes the scales off my eyes of like, no, the point is to do what Christ calls you to do. And it does not like, it literally does not matter about anything else. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so what was a moment from just our beginning reading here that you could personally relate to the most? Okay, this is, it's so simple, but on page six, it talked about Elizabeth Elliot um, taking advantage of her daughter's nap time to write in her journal. Mm. And I just related to that so much because people, yeah. like, especially being a mom, like my, even just us recording this podcast, um, my life like revolves around my daughter sleeping and just, you know, <laughs> catering and serving her. And so 
just that, that little detail. That's what I love about biographies. That little detail, mm-hmm. I just related to that so much. And it just got me thinking about, you know, I read during my daughter's nap time. I, you know, work. I do a lot of mm-hmm. laundry, all that stuff during her time. So that really mm-hmm. kind of humanized Elizabeth Elliot for me. And I, yeah, and I, yeah. yeah. I love that. And that's something I love about biographies too, because if you think about Elizabeth writing about her life, she, I'm guessing she wouldn't say like, and then I wrote in my journal during nap time. Um, But it's like that objectivity of having someone a little bit on the outside, being able to say like, no, this is so important. And this is actually a really key piece of like how the ward was growing you in the day to day and how that directly translates to us right now yeah yeah I love that um so it describes her as missionary linguist wife mother and then through the incredible painful beautiful um through gates of splendor writing they have now named her powerful writer and um the author takes us back to when she started with one prayer that was I'm available She goes back to live with the people that murdered her husband. And we haven't read much about her kind of response or like when she found out. Um, But we did read about when they found his body and those he was with. Um, And so my question that I would love your thoughts on, not necessarily an answer, but just to get us thinking more about this is you have this like girl in her young 20s. And she's grieving her husband, who was 28 years old. Like, I'm going to start getting emotional thinking about that. Like, my husband's 25. Like, they had their whole life. And you can tell just from the way she wrote about him, she was so in love. And, like, um, they had this little girl together. And, And not only did he die, but he died incredibly traumatically. And she goes and sleeps among them. And so my question that I just want to like hold in front of us is, do we have the same dedication to Jesus? Do we have that same joy and salvation and that same fear of God? So how, how has like reading that impacted you? Yeah, I constant like even like once we got to the end of the chapters, I constantly like throughout the day after I put my book away, like I was asking up asking myself that like mm-hmm. could I do that? Could I do that? And yeah. like it it takes super something supernatural, which is Christ, like mm-hmm. in you to mm-hmm. put yourself in that environment and entrust yourself for to him to take care of you, you know, to really trust mm-hmm. him and like I said, just them sticking with the mission of, you know, to make Christ known, to reach people, to share the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's so easy to say, like, sitting in your living room, you know, going to church every Sunday, you know, totally. but she put herself in that environment, like knowing what happened to her husband. So mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's so admirable, mm-hmm. but like as a new creation in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, he gives us the strength to do those things because we're not mm-hmm. trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in him. Yeah. I think it's so encouraging to me to look at that and say like, she was not worried about the ins and outs of what it looked like, but she, her goal was so clear. And I think if we put the goal and the prize in front of our eyes more often, and like to the extent of which we have been forgiven more often, 
the details would just dissipate. Like the details matter. I'm not saying that they don't because he does call us to specific things at certain moments, but man, like she just knew what her goal was and it, and it compelled her. Like, like Ellen said, it compelled her in art galleries in New York and it compelled her in the villages in South America. Mm. It talks about how in that exact same vein of being like in New York and then in the villages and traveling all over the world, she was not fully at home anywhere, but that actually spoke to her dedication and eyes on eternity. While she is often remembered for only this tragedy, Ellen reminds us that it is the daily faithfulness that traces the bravery of a human life radically submitted to Christ. I'm going to read that again because I need to hear it again. Daily faithfulness that traces the bravery of a human life radically submitted to Christ. She knew her home was in heaven. She knew it wasn't with a political or social party, and she responded according to that. She was a deep feeler, but always came back to the word of God. So how does it encourage and spur you on to read about Elizabeth's daily faithfulness and continual dying to self? Yeah, I, it really encourages me not to like, just not to fear man, because Mm -hmm. I think her life is just so compelling to many people because she lived in that daily faithfulness. And some of us, like we say we want to, but you know, myself included, we can be scared to walk in that because we fear man. We think it's going to inconvenience us. Mm -hmm. Um, But reading Elizabeth Elliot and about her life, it really convicts you like, am I practicing what I'm preaching? Am I walking in this daily faithfulness? And not just like saying I want to walk in it. But like, yes. like really walk walking in it when those times come, you know, to put your mm-hmm. faith into practice. And I, I just mm-hmm. want to reference this quote um, on page 11. And I think it really kind of speaks to why it's important for us to be reading this book right now. Um, this from the author. She said, I want to introduce this gutsy woman of faith to a generation that does not know her. Was she perfect? By no means. Was she committed to living her, her life flat out for Christ, holding nothing back? Yes. She was curious, intellectually honest, and unafraid. Mm-hmm. Not not just about living with the naked people who could kill her while she slept, but mm-hmm. unafraid that the quest for truth, Christ, might lead her to an inconvenient in, inconvenient conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. That's just so powerful. <laughs> totally. Um, I also called out um, the quote also from the author, she always, be- she was always believing in his promises, promise, sorry, that real, robust, exhilarating life comes mm-hmm. out of every death. And I think popular Christianity right now does not speak that message to us at all. And I'm just really personally grateful to see like just the way that she walks through suffering because I'm walking through a season of suffering and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is why we get the lies in current American Christianity of like, you don't have enough faith because you're going through this. Like, no, she understood that this world would have suffering. Like it was just the world that she lived in. Um, So pivoting a little bit, I always love reading about someone's upbringing. And I think it so speaks to the power of the home culture that we build because the simplest things that we think are just like normal and sort of boring are always included in biographies to the hobbies or the meals and how they ate together, the affection, the affection or lack thereof. And so 
Oh man, what stood out to you from learning about the Howard family and the missionaries that they hosted? Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me was just her parents' influence on her spiritual spiritual growth and just like practical things like her dad was a writer. She's mm-hmm. a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and just how they did family devotions, like when it was saying that even on vacation, like Oof. they still were going to do family worship, like that commitment. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. And mm-hmm. as a mom, it just really encouraged me um, not to take for granted the seeds that I'm planting in my daughter's heart and her life right now, because mm-hmm. like, come on, it's Elizabeth Elliot. And I'm not saying my daughter will be her generation's next Elizabeth Elliot, <laughs> but, but also, you know, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> how your childhood can just shape you. Mm-hmm. And just it was an encouragement to me, you know, to keep training her in the faith. Like right now we're doing like the catechism with her and reading like Mm -hmm. Christian books with her and teaching her just praying like simple prayers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just not, she's two. So, you know, she understands, but she doesn't really understand like she will when she's older, but it's just, that wasn't reading about her family dynamic really encouraged me to just keep going. It really encouraged me to keep more missionaries in front of our family conversations um, because I'm friends with some missionaries, but how often do I really check in with them when I have the internet that actually allows me to do that? Um, How often do I actually pray with them? So that was something really practically because you can see how her being with missionaries just seeped into her worldview. It wasn't like, oh, this person's a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary one day. But I think it did impact the way in which she carried herself later in life then. So if you had to pull one thought that is compelling you forward from the book this week and carrying us into next Tuesday, what would it be? Yeah, so... You read about a life like Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot, who only lived to be 28 years old. And it really makes you start thinking and asking yourself, like, what are you focused on? Um, how are you seeking to glorify God? And can people closest to you and in your sphere of influence really look at your life and your Christian witness and say, be like her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not that mm-hmm. not that when we're all gone, we'll have biographies written about us <laughs> like this one. But we will have like many biographies in our local context in the legacy of our Mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. So so that's really what reading just these first few chapters Mm -hmm. got me thinking. Like, will people be able to look at Leah's life and be like, be like her and not in like a prideful, you know, but am I giving that witness of Christ that people can look to that and be like, wow, she lived a faithful life just in my local context. Yeah, totally. I think if we think about that, you know, when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, this was not just a standard for church leadership. I feel like that is our standard for church leadership. And that is the call for every single believer. Like, can we all say, if you imitate me, you will be imitating Christ. Oof. Okay. Um, So that's enough for me to think about for the next seven days, for sure. Um, I'm so excited for next week, gals. Let's read chapters five through nine. Please tag us on Instagram when you are reading. Please tag us when you have a question or send us a DM. And we're just so excited to further process this with you. To close us out tonight, I'm going to read the prayer from Betty Scott Stam's prayer on page 30. Um, that Ellen says it was a prayer that would soon become Betty's own. 
Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee, to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me as thou will, send me where thou will, and work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. See you next week, friends. Get to reading.